You are listening to Positive Living Vibrations with Sarah Troy. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Living Vibrations with Sarah Troy and her guest today, Kelly. Kelly is from North Carolina. Kelly Harrell is an intuitive. She's been like this all her life. In other words, she was born this way. So she knows what it's like to actually live as a spiritual person, a person who is in tuned to the universe and to the things that go on around us that others may not see or feel. She understands what this means to children. And today we're seeing more and more children awakening to this wonderful gift and being able to use it in a much different way. She is an author of A Gift of a Dreamtime, Awakening to the Divinity Trauma. Uh, She chronicles a pivotal step into the spiritual crisis of shamanism. She's a real world um, word, W-Y-R-D, a modern shaman roots in the middle world. Uh, It's a collection of essays on supernatural experiences through her life. She also writes for the Weekly Rune about life as a modern shaman, the Huffington Post. She has maintained um, a blog, Intentional Insights. I think you can get the gist here that she is actually very, very dedicated in helping people awaken, uh, in tune, and not be afraid of this wonderful gift that's within all of us, and that is waking up. She has a wonderful book out called Teen Spirit, A Guide to the Modern Feminism. And as I said, they are so utterly gifted. They're so much more in tune than we ever were um, because they have permission. They have permission to be in tune today. And actually, whether us humans gave them permission or not, they're switched on and it's about time we caught up. And we have to use a different language with our teens today in this wonderful shamanism. And we have to be open because they are. And we have to be in tuned because they are. And we have to learn that there is a different dialogue and a different perspective and approach to life. So we're going to find out about teens today and what is making them tick maybe in this uh, twittering and um, texting and video gaming and everything else they're switching off from what we call the real world but maybe they're tuning in in a different way who knows they use their senses on multiple levels and we're going to discover a little bit more about that so welcome to the show kelly thank you sarah thank you so much for having me my pleasure. Um, anybody that works with kids or teens, you know, uh, you're okay with me. It's, <laughs> it's not an easy thing. We, we've all been teens at some point, And if we look back, you know, we, we weren't always that pleasant ourselves at that time period. Um, especially if you were born way back. I mean, I'm way back there in the 50s. Uh, as I said, I was born a spiritual person. Um, I saw dead people, I spoke with them, I played with them. I was that intuitive that saw possibilities and insights all my life, but I was just the weird one, you know, the old uh, twirly around the head. Uh, (laughs) I I accepted that, you know, I wasn't going to fit in. But it's funny, whenever they needed me, a question or anything else, you know, they were there. We're seeing this so much more open and receptive today aren't we since obviously since the the bridge from the third to the fifth dimension but with our teens they're so much more receptive and in tune to this than we were allowed to be in our grand young age they are and i find that they are not they're not only unafraid of their experiences that don't exactly fit in the you know natural category of of everyday life but they're also um willing to have different perspectives than their parents than their elders had and and that's um i think for people in my generation who were intuitives that part was actually harder than the unusual experiences themselves the backlash of the elders and and it seems today that um young people are either getting more support from their elders than we did or they're just not afraid of it. They, they're just accepting their life experiences for what they are and they're going forward. 
Yes, it's it's actually interesting because in my family, my mother is quite fair. We're readers, so she has that gift of um, mm-hmm. the gypsy reading. Um, my sister has it to a point, except it all seems to be kind of the dark side <laughs> rather than the positive oh, side. Right. My brother is an intuitive writer in the sense that he's a novelist and he writes at the present moment for teens. And he has such incredible insights. Um, and very often what he writes about are things that actually come true in the real world. Uh, he doesn't use it at all in his own life. I've just recently come back from England from seeing them. My mum is 94. And... It's very interesting because they've all, as my sister, she saw an interview with me, and she said, well, it seems to be very nice, but everything you said went over my head. And I'm saying things like we're saying here, but it was just not her connection whatsoever. Right. But what has come out of it is, well, maybe what I'm saying to her is over the head, but she says the peace that I'm living in and the peace that I bring to the arena and that um, even keel frequency is something that she's not felt before. And so sometimes our words aren't heard, but our vibration is definitely felt. Definitely. And kids work more vibrationally, oh, don't they? They do, indeed. They do. So you were an intuitive growing up. This has been you all your life, and I'm sure you've had plenty of judgment along the way. Um, Got that right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's uh, the judgment comes not from people hating you, but more fearing um, your experience because, you know, let's face it, they've been conditioned to look upon it as evil or that you're demonic or you're possessed or something because right. that is the control of religion. Right. Because exactly as you said, um, my experience was the same. People who were afraid of the experiences that I was having, and that some clients sometimes included family members, mm-hmm. but also people my own age, whenever they had a problem or they had an experience that fit outside their container of, of life perspective, I was the first person they came to. Yes. So that, that pattern is classic. Yeah. Most certainly is. <laughs> um, yes, because they know that we see things from you know, in a way that we actually see the answers that they're unable to right. see. Right, and I, and I think that people, you know, despite the fact that they don't necessarily understand the experiences that I'm having or, or that someone like us was having, they still understand the vibration of, you know, authenticity. We, yes. we're, we're trying to tell the truth. We're saying this is the experience that I've had and, you know, living my life in a way that is is attempting to be, you know, thoughtful and compassionate. And so, therefore, when things do happen to them that they don't understand or don't know how to handle, there is that connection that says, okay, I can take this to her. Do you have a particular medium that you use in helping people understand where they are? Well, for me, um, it it is shamanistic. Um, I struggled for the longest time because, you know, um, a lot of, in terms of earth-based spirituality, a lot of new age things kind of overlap or get tangled up in that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't understand my own path for a long time. And of course, it, it didn't jive with the religious upbringing that I had. But um, I, I did everything, you know, I everything, all the uh, all the uh, questionable stuff from Ouija boards to pendulums and crystals and reading runes and tarot and you know, everything. And underneath it all was this connection to nature. And there was an extremely profound sense of my spirit guides. And so for me, it was very much a baptism by fire and um, just kind of figuring out for myself how to connect with my spirit guides. And then um, some years down the road of that experience, I found more um, technique and structure in being able to do that and that's where it really took off for me and so in working with other people now that's that's what I have to give that's where the communication and the dialogue the relationship really happens for me and so that's kind of 
the main way that I work with other people. I do other things. I do Reiki. I do um, other forms of etheric chakra work. But it really comes down to that direct engagement and relationship with spirit guides. So do you have spirit guides um, that you know are particularly with you, that they're yours, and uh, um, you just channel them in uh, when, when needed? Um, I do work with specific guides. My experience is that we all have guides who are with us for the long haul, whether that's this life or, or before and after this life. And we also have intermittent ones that come and go based on um, life transitions and, and needs. Um, but as far as channeling, it isn't a, that isn't a specific component of my shamanic work. For me, it is very much about journeying out of my body and into the spirit world in trance and doing the interaction there, um, in some cases engaging with the healing that guides say is needed there and bringing that information back to myself or to a client that I'm working with, to a group. And so it's more um, trance-based yeah. for me. They're trapped. So you go to them, they don't come to you. Right, that's right. There are many people that, you know, are... Um, where, you know, they just say the book wrote itself. It just, you know, they just channeled it. Right. You're opposite to that, you actually go um, to the spirit world where you get what you need to have. Um, that was more me. I understand that. Um, it's funny. I don't know if you have the same experience, but for me, when I go up into that spirit world, I try and explain it to people what it feels like because it's really hard to put in words. But I look upon, you know, as a body where we're made up of, trillions of cell structure and this whole body is is absolutely dependent on each one of those cells being healthy and productive and each one of them doing their job but each cell is independently important to the whole so i look upon it when i go up there as i'm one of these cells in this you know mass arena of this universe but when i go up there with a question um i have the right answers around me from these other cell structures it's, you know, a lot of people think that spirit world is all one. We're just all we are. It's just one great big ball. We're all working on one tone. There is no individuality or or um, um, uniqueness about any of us. We're just one big ball of energy. I feel it that way. I believe that each one of us works on a particular tone, a musical instrument. Each one of us has a musical chord. And we go up those other musical chords come around us with those answers and then we're able to come back down here with that clarity and that information that's my experience as well there's there's some overlapping some very elegant spiraling of of both uniqueness and connectivity and finding the balance between those to to make things happen to make life manifest the way we need it to it's very peaceful isn't it it is very peaceful. And and that's the thing to stay connected to. Yes. And and also so very clear. You know, we, the information that we get is not ones that we are confused about. It's, um, I call it the knowingness. We simply know what we need to know at the time that we need to know it. We don't need to validate it or explain it or, or justify it. It is simply that divine knowledge at the time. It's true, and that's that's the part that can be difficult for people who are beginning shamanic work and maybe, you know, quite years into it. I, I don't know. I suppose it's different for different people. But, um, you know, in that space, the journey space, and, and to some degree, the changed space that you're in after doing that work, it's just also very clear and so very easy to mm -hmm. a degree. And then... As you kind of simmer back into the mundane and into your everyday life, there's this struggle to try to hold on to that. And, and that's um, that sort of crisis that can evolve out of having brushed against that very peaceful way of being can be something that comes up for people when they begin doing shamanic work. Do you find that teenagers or kids are so much more open and receptive to this? 
They are. They don't need to poke it the way right. we do. Yeah. Even people who, you know, I work with a lot of people who are who who know they're intuitive. They they either have been doing it professionally, or they they just know lifelong that they are, or they feel very confident about their perceptions. But then when they start going into it a different way or a little more deeply, um, they they poke it. They pull it apart, mm-hmm. and they like you said, they they're looking for some sort of other validation than their own experience. And I find that young people don't do that. Yeah. They're they're quite more um, accepting of themselves and of their own experience and, and of others' experiences, frankly. Yeah, they're far more willing to share, aren't they? They um, are. You know, with uh, our general, my generation especially, because you're a great deal younger, um, it was something that you, you were meant to keep quiet. Uh, the problem was with me, it's the only world I knew. So I really didn't know what everybody's problem was, you know. Uh, I didn't know yeah. any other world, you know. It was who I am, I am what I am, says Popeye. But, you know, it, um, but with kids today, of course, you know, with movies, with internet, with um, dialect of conversations with people around the world because of the internet, um, people are just so much more open to what's going over there. And in a lot of ways, it's given them more permission to be able to explore this world without any of the the parental or the church or the school or the environment restriction that used to have control over us because we had nothing else to go to. It's true. It's true. And in writing this book, in writing the um, teen shamanism book, I had some people in the shamanistic community you know, who were like, this is this is crazy. You know, why would you give them this access? They're not ready for it. They're not emotionally, you know, balanced enough to to process the experiences that come out of this. You know, and all valid comments. I, I understand where they're coming from historically. I understand what they're responding to in the present. And yet my response is teens are already there. Yes. They're already there. They're born they that can, way. They can do it with a guideline yeah. or they can do it without a guideline. That's what it comes down to. Yes. And, and they were so, born that way. I mean, you know, we're, yeah. we're born divas, the ability to dream, inspire, visualize, and aspire to something. Uh, you know, we're born that way. Um, it was society that decided that we were not going to have those ability to dream or be inspired by <clears> things. So we don't want you to have a vision. Stay in the box, conform. Right. Because you're told kids are born these divas and they're staying that way. That you know, they have to say, forget about your box. I'm not interested in your box. They are. And and you can provide a compassionate guideline for that, or you can take it away, even forbid it, and it will it will impact us all. Yes. And it will rebel. You know, you yeah. can only express this so long because we are in this far more high vibrational um, realm now. We're in this fifth dimension. Um, The vibration has risen. People are awakening. They're not sure what they're awakening to, but their consciousness is completely switched on. People aren't just living up in their head. Um, They've invited their soul and their heart and their spirit to the game, and they're learning and listening and so many different levels now. We can't stop this. There is no putting a cap on it. So right. say what is needed is let's give them the right guidance so that they don't get intimidated by it or they do use it honorably. Right. Um, and they do respect that this is a gift, um, but in that gift is a responsibility. That's exactly right. I mean, that that's my thinking because, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of rebellion is purely the inability to express aspects of yourself yeah. that you cannot deny. And, yeah. and you know, some, some of it may be mean-spirited, but my experience is that most of it isn't. They are purely aspects of self shadow that need parameters that, in which they can be expressed. And we can provide the space to do that or we don't, in which case, you know, we're all affected by that. I mean, for, uh, you know, people, we had to make this journey um, against the odds, you know, in the judgment. You come from a religious background. Um, I wasn't so much the religious. It was just, you know, I'm, I'm almost 60, so I came from a very conservative background. Right. Fortunately, I moved to South Africa in the 70s, and uh, I, was, I was a hippie, 
you know, go. <laughs> It was well, completely. So hippie chic, I was there. You know, the, the hippie with the pearls and tweed, you know. Uh, <laughs> terms completely free-spirited. And I was lucky to have had the 70s that allowed my spirit to be free. Um, but you've come from this religious background, which, of course, it, anything like this is, is something completely forbidden. Because, again, it goes against the teachings of conformity. You must do this or you will it's true. Well, it's interesting because the, I think the, the church doctrine that I was given, which was the United Methodist Church, it's probably one of the more liberal Protestant denominations. And um, my family itself has, I think, a long line of intuitives without mm-hmm. question. And so there was there was this dual zone in the family, you know, in that there were the religious perspective and then there was like what time the family really knew it was because we all had these experiences. My mother did, my sister did, and, and my mother would sit and tell me stories about, I guess she would be my great, great aunt and her great aunt, um, who predicted the gender of babies, and she had visions. And and it's as you're saying, you know, the error that this lady lived, and I actually did know her. She died when I was very young, and I remember her. But um, in the era that this lady lived, I mean, she truly was considered a witch. Yes. I mean, she, she she was outcast. And... Um, but when it, whenever there was a problem, she was the first one people would go to. Whenever yeah. someone was expecting, she was the first person they would go to. So there, there was a real duality in my household because there was absolutely no denial that there were other things happening that my mother experienced and my sister experienced. And, you know, then you go into this completely other boxed-in environment of a religious nature, and there was no container to put those in. Yeah. It's like we just stepped completely from one world to the other. You know, and and they are still of that religion. So it, it was odd. It was very unusual. And it, I didn't feel pressured so much you know, from a religious standpoint, not to talk about the experiences that I had and that my whole family had. It was more about the fear, like you said mm-hmm. earlier. It just, it just scared the pants off people and they didn't want to hear it. Would you like to share any one of those experiences so people can understand <laughs> one of your journeys? <clears throat> well, um, I, I don't exactly remember how old I was when this happened, but I had, I had bunk beds. I was small enough to spend comfortably in bunk beds. And they were the kind that were captain's corner bunk beds. And I had just laid down on the bottom bunk. So there's not a lot of headroom there, even for a little person. There's not a lot of headroom. And I was lying there, drifting off, listening to my mother and my sister have tea. They would do that after I went to bed. I guess they were so relieved. They would just sit down and have tea. <laughs> and I was listening to the clink of the little spoons in the teacups and so forth when I felt my body be lifted higher than what felt capable, given that I was in a bunk bed. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had just enough time, just a couple of seconds to, to kind of process it and be like, well, wait a minute. And then I felt... Like I was thrown from that height onto the bed and my forehead smashed into the headboard and I started screaming. I mean, it it terrified me. It just absolutely sent me into a tailspin. And my mom came running down the hall and my sister came with her and they flipped the light on. And of course, in, in that commotion of hearing them come down the hall, it's dawning on me that it wasn't them. Mm-hmm. And that you know we we were the only three people in the house, and it wasn't them and but I didn't have a vocabulary or even ability to really process what else it could be, and so I was just screaming, "How could you do that? You scared me what how did you you know what in the world and my mom is like, "What are you talking about? Are you okay? I mean she's just thinking, I don't even know what she's thinking that mm-hmm. I'm just unhinging, but I had an enormous mark on my forehead where I was thrown on my stomach and smacked my head on the bed. And I have no idea 
exactly what was going on there. I, I mean, I guess I could make a few guesses, but that was one such occasion right. <laughs> where we all witnessed very unusual things happen in the house I grew up in. And it was very common, very common. The thing is, is what, I mean, what people understand is, you know, when we're open you know, we open up our hearts and souls. Um, you know, it's a very beautiful divine experience. But we've also got to be careful that we really do kind of keep um, a door closed on the dark side of vibration mm. because it will find its way in. And, you know, at 19, I was, um, you know, I suddenly had been given kind of permission to really explore my spirituality. So I said it was hippie times. Um, and so for me, it was I was living on my own and I really could go down this path. But I opened up the doors too wide. And mm-hmm. I have the ability to see um, in such ways and such visions. But what I had done is not protected myself. Right. And what I ended up doing is um, I lived in a house with a few other people. And those were the days where you waited months to get a phone. And when you did, it was in the central hallway. You know, um, right. they just don't you know, think that's the arc, arc, you know, dark ages. You know, <laughs> cell phones and everything today. And the phone went in the middle of the night. Normally, everybody would forget it. Who's calling? Not, nobody's going to answer it. I got right. I answered the phone. Everybody came out. Who is it? Who is it? And they said they saw me go pale. The blood drained from me as I held this phone. Somebody grabbed the phone from me and just heard the most eerie sound on the other side. I then passed out, and within an hour started hemorrhaging blood, and I lost half of my body's blood. At that time, I had just opened up the channel to far too much mm-hmm. not protecting myself and i think this is you know why i think kids need even more the gun exactly exactly i i do think that vulnerability is the same as permission it, it, it vulnerability is a wide open door if you don't know the parameters that you're setting then you are unprotected yes and that you know there is absolutely to trust in the in the pure spiritual world, um, but there are you know things to make sure that our very faith um, in that positive realm. And that, mm-hmm. you know, there are entities out. Uh, half of them don't know they're dead, or they're angry, or they're here for unfinished business. And if they can find a door to come in, they will. And you have to be right. Careful. I have been possessed a couple of times. I know what it's like. It's not very pleasant. Exactly. It was my fault because I didn't have any guides. None. Right. It was totally um, uncharted territory for me and, and nobody around me to guide me at all. Um, so I just opened up doors that I shouldn't have opened without that protection. And I understand. And kids need that. They need to know that because they're going to explore even more than we do. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kids think that exploring is taking the drugs and out-of-body experience. Um, you can have that out-of-body experience absolutely divinely without any substance whatsoever. Right. Purely in your beautiful consciousness. And I'm sure that you address this in your book on how to do that. Yes, indeed. I, 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 it's interesting because for the longest time in the shamanic community, there was either no discussion or discussion against the use of entheogens to induce that kind of trance state. And it's it's being revived. There, um, It seems to be reviving in a respectful way. Right. I, I, I think Monitored. that's important. Yeah. yeah. And it's important to say people are, are doing that spectrum of exploration with guidance. Yes. It's it's not just, you know, hey, let's do this. But um I have I have never to um I've never needed to do that to get where I needed to go, I yeah. guess is what I should say. And and I talk about that in the book. And and you know, it's something you need to consider. You know, it's it's likely not legal where you are, and mm-hmm. so there are ramifications from that standpoint. It's likely not the most healthy thing you can do for your body, and that's something to take into consideration. If you don't have someone who really natively understands exactly what um, the plant or whatever you're using is, and not just from an herbal standpoint, but from a trance standpoint, mm-hmm. how to help you actually make use of 
what can happen in that state. There are just too many variables for for young people to be messing with, I think. Yeah. And, and as you said, the experience is, is just so utterly wonderful of you, you know, choosing to get into that. You know, and, you know, there, there are other simple ways of doing it, and like various types of meditation, which I'm sure that you cover a great deal in your Absolutely. book as well. Yeah. Um, the book does go into some easy ways to go into shamanic journey, what we call ecstatic journeying. And, um, of course, through the whole thing, I say this up front, I say it throughout, and I will say it evermore, you will not learn shamanism from a book. You yes. you will not. There, there is no way to learn it from a book. And, and, you need a mentor. If if this is a path that you feel is significant for your development, then by all means, read lots of books and find a mentor. Yes. Um, what your book is doing, as you said, is a guide. You've used it, um, the specific word guide. It's to understanding what you do need, what you don't need, paths you should take, paths you shouldn't take. Again, right. as I said at the top of the hour, though, um, embracing our consciousness and our spirituality and uh, channeling, journeying, whatever we do, um, it's a responsibility. And if we're just going to kind of just let it loose, there will be, as it was with me, some ramifications. Sure, absolutely. There, there, it isn't just a collection of techniques. It is a role. And, yeah. and that, is, that is the key thing about this book that I think is different from not just um, anything else written about earth-based paths from a, from a teen perspective, but from any intro to shamanism books that I've ever read for any age range. It is a role. It is a lifestyle change. It yes. is not just a, a technique. Sure. Yeah. It's not a sure. dabble. It's a commitment. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. Even if you don't want to be a shaman, when you begin to engage in deep trance aspects with your own consciousness, with the spirit world, it changes you in such a way that you don't go back to your life the same way. And it's really important to have a mentor, a teacher, um, some community or friend that you can process these experiences with, a therapist even, quite possibly. A lot of bridges happen in there these days. So it's a lifestyle change, and I don't present it as anything, you know, easy to just undertake. And, and you do say a therapist, and you have to, there again, do your research. You know, sure. make sure that you've got a therapist that isn't all completely clinical um, yep. and, you know, is intuitive themselves and does understand where you're going. Because if they are completely clinical, they you take you away, haha. Uh, yes. <laughs> because that's the, their world. And, of course, you know, putting on drugs. I mean, you know, you look at some greats from the past, um, you know, a course that can never come to mind when you're talking about them <laughs> you know there's some there's some leaders we've had in the past there's you know influences inspirers that we've had in the past that at that time they were kind of condemned I mean, take tesla for instance you know tesla nicole tesla um absolute genius his technology is still a hundred years later only scratching the surface of what its uses were but these brilliant people were intuitives they received their information, but they knew what to do with the information. Exactly. And that's the thing is, you know, their education or their knowledge, the worldly knowledge, helped them understand the message they were getting and what. Exactly. So, you know, you might be a shaman, you, you know, you might be um, a technical person that receives information and insights. It's it's opening up that intuitive channel and allowing that information to come to you, whether you travel to it or it comes to you. It's allowing yourself to be open and trust it. Trust this information. You will not get the whole picture downloaded to you in one go. It's going to come to you in pieces. But just each piece, look at it and go, what does this mean? And let the puzzle build, open up and invite. That's exactly it. And, you know, if we do actually get a generation of kids that are, are living this way, we're going to have a much more peaceful old age than, uh, <laughs> than we're getting Exactly now. right. <laughs> because you can't live in this realm with hatred in your heart. 
you can't live in there with um, being power hungry or bitter or twisted because it just doesn't you know, it's oil and water you cannot live in this purity with contamination in your heart and soul that's true that's my experience and so we really wake these teams up and you know we we do really want what their capabilities are, what their possibilities are. And what would be your, what would you say to a parent who feels, I think I have a gifted child, but I don't know what to do with them or how to talk to them. And I don't know what kind of gift they've got, but I know they're different. What would be, um, you know, what would you say to a, to a parent on what to communicate with their child or what to do? I think foremost is validation. It, it doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter if you witness it. It doesn't matter if you think maybe there's something a little strange about your child. Foremost is validate that this is the experience that your child is having. Nothing else matters. You know, all those other details will out themselves yeah. as as the child develops and matures. But foremost is validation. Let them have the experience that they're having. For one, it's going to create a trust that that they'll continue telling you what their experience is. It will also give the child the opportunity to explore within safe parameters. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll know, you know, I'm I'm I have an open dialogue with my parents about this and so you know, whatever experiences I'm having, I can come back and talk to them about. I think that just giving a child the arena to express whatever their experience is will go a long way in helping them understand what's happening to them, maybe develop it, maybe just say, oh, well, this is a weird thing and I'm just going to keep on going and possibly inspire the parent to come into some area of study or, um, you know, reading, learning of their own about intuition. Yes, uh, I did a show a few uh, months ago with a, with a lady who is, um, you know, doing some research on, um, you know, the gifted children are monsters and that, you know, they're, they're earth angels. They're put here uh, and that they're put here to teach, um, to guide and to, um, to show us a different path. And I think we are seeing um, amongst kids today, you know, you take kids that are, you know, autistic or other challenges that they have there, you know, uh, we deem it as something that they're trapped in their world. But no, perhaps what they're doing is teaching us to open up our world and see the world from a different way because they see the world so incredibly, they just can't articulate it to us. So us bridging that gap and seeking what they're what they're seeing helps us open up our world and remove our boxes. When we do that, we're just so much more open to information being received on so many more levels. Are you seeing more gifted children out there today than um, than usual? Well, I've always been tuned into that. So I, I can't say that I see more now. I, I mean... I'm 42, and I still feel so connected to those years in my life. I don't feel like I left them behind in order to become, a, you know, an adult and and to be able to exist in the adult world. I still feel so connected to it, and I think that's part of my ability to um, to relate to young people who are going through this. So. I, I don't necessarily see more. I've always seen them, and they know it. Yes. They, I, I, without me ever having to say what I do or anything about intuition, um, kids know. Yes. They, they have just always known they can confide in me. Well, they, they hear your channel. You know, you're tuned right. in, right? Um, uh, you know, I was uh, somebody that helped people cross over when they died. Um, you know, if, if we were on the same channel, I would help them cross over that transition between the death and moving on into the afterlife. And um, it was a very a beautiful thing to do because you're helping people, you know, um, accept their death and then go, you know, just accept it as an end of a chapter. It's an end of this body, body and its information. But, of course, all your soul information rolls over into that anyway. Um, but... 
I know that um, I've talked about things openly and, you know, people seem to be interested and then suddenly, you know, they hear about, you know, things like that or, you know, blood loss or possession and then suddenly they're freaked right out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it is rather freaky. it is, it, and it doesn't stop being. I mean, that's the that's, memo that I people mean, it's think. Very as well. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It, I mean, you just you begin to see it in a broader spectrum yeah. than just scary or yeah. freaky. But you know, it's not like it stops being a surprise. No, no, it doesn't. Um, you know, of course, when we get to that point where we we don't have those experiences anymore because we've you know, obviously learned to channel ourselves right, and and thank the gods for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and all all of those are there for a reason, anyway. You know, they're to help us understand. You know, the yin and the yang, the you know the the both sides of the realm. Sure. And uh, you know, the more you travel in this one, the more you trust it. You know, the more you're at peace with your knowingness, the more you're just really at peace with life. Um, you know, we we'll say that we we really got to two species on the world. We've got human, we've got human beings, and the beings are the ones that live in the consciousness, and the awakenedness, and and use all of those senses and you've got the humans that are just there for survival at any cost nobody else's cost and I think what we're slowly seeing is the intolerance that human survival at any cost and we're seeing the human conscious wake up and taking accountability for choices that are being made uh, wrongs that are being made and uh, being intolerant to the human because as a species, we're incredibly cruel. <laughs> yes. We're, and we have a capacity to be pure love. Right. And we have, a, and, you know, so utterly divine. We have a, a capacity to be all knowledge. It doesn't mean we are knowledge like an encyclopedia. But when we trust that knowingness, we know what we need to know at the time that we need to know it. And so therefore we know a great deal. Because we're open to what we need to know at the time instead of banking it, filing it, or, you know, meaning that we, our importance is in our knowledge. No, the importance is what do we do with our knowledge. So I think that it kind of counts more. Um, in a tribe of the modern mystic mystery school. Oh, yeah. I think that's rather cool. I love to think <laughs> of that. Please do give a little bit more on that. Well, um, this is something that that I worked on throughout my master's, and and I was implementing the Tribe of the Modern Mystic itself at the time that I committed to writing this book, The Teen Spirit Guide to Modern Shamanism. And the tribe is all about honoring intuition, about being able to bring all of the person in through everyday life as much as possible. So I I think it has more of an animistic lean than shamanistic. Certainly not everyone who is involved in the tribe right now is interested in being a shaman, but is interested in animistic and to some degree shamanistic uh, perspective. So this, this ability to visualize and imagine yourself as um, you know, all perception, all that you are is okay all the time, and in being able to carry that through as much of everyday life experience as possible in a community of others doing the same thing, it's invaluable. I mean, just you know, I, I, yes, I'm, I created it, but just you know, being able to witness this with other people, I didn't have this. You yes, didn't exactly. have this. No. And that's what it comes down to. And so the um, the mystery school is just sort of an extension out of that. If people want to do that in a more structured class atmosphere, I, I teach classes as live web classes online. And and that's part of it. It's 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 been wonderful, really. Well, again, you're giving people permission to be what they intricately are. You're exactly. taking away the cloak and dagger from it. You're taking away the misty, uh, mystery from it um, and making it something that is just so everyday uh, that they can learn to trust and use. Um, you know, what? what is fear? It, it's when you don't know what something means or what it's going to do to you. That's what fear is. Um, when we open up to what the knowledge is and how to use it responsibly, and there is no fear. Right. 
right? And guiding people down the right, in the right vibrations, you know, to their instincts when, no, don't go down this path. You don't need don't need to go down the path to understand why. Just trust. Exactly. The path today. There's a reason for it. Exactly. And it and you know, you and I have discussed this, but it, it doesn't have to be a baptism by fire anymore. No. And no. that was my motivation for writing this book. I'm I'm not the world scholar on shamanism, modern or traditional. I don't know everything. I don't pretend to know everything. But I know that we don't have to do it without some kind of compassionate guidance anymore. Right. And there's plenty, um, you know, of us, whatever variation we are out there. And I think that's the I think that's the beauty of what we're seeing now. You know, with all these awakeners, you know, we've got this bridge, that fourth dimension bridge from the third to the fifth. And you're seeing people just coming over this bridge saying, I know I want more. I know that my senses have opened up and I want to understand what to do with them, how to use them, how to read them. And they're, you know, running towards people like you and I saying, what do I do with this? How do I use it properly? You know, um, how do I become part of a purpose in this world? Um, And it's great to see you've got those that are never going to cross the bridge. That bridge will be pulled up at some point and they will be left behind. And we are going into an era of this, you know, this beautiful peace because we are learning to live in this positive vibration where we are learning in We're living in compassion, Um, compassion and care. Of what unity for community means, of that we don't have to be alone. But by, it doesn't mean giving up your individualism. It doesn't mean giving up who you are. It means embracing who you are through the eyes of others who see the beauty within you. So what you're doing here is just, as you said, that guidebook, um, that permission, that how to to use it responsibly, how to recognize what what is good and what isn't bad, how to trust our own instincts. And as you said, we didn't have that when we were uh, out there, you know, trying a relation for us. <laughs> they don't have to go through any of that demonic stuff because this you're teaching them how to recognize which path to go down and what, what not to go down. So it's very, very invaluable. And kids are sponges, aren't they? They really are. hungry for this. They're hungry. You know, I said at the top of the hour, they're so busy texting and playing games and doing this. And, you know, their, their brains and their minds are working on multiple cylinders all at once. But they're trying to find something that means something to them. Because they know they look at their parents' world and go, I don't want anything to do with that. It hasn't got any meaning for me. And so we need to show them a, a channel and a place that they can go to where they can have all of those senses being embraced. Because... They are the people that will look after us in our old age, and we want them to be as embracing as possible of their own intuition so they will be truer and kinder to the world and the universe. It lies with them, but it lies with us to guide them. So we don't want our parents to be scared. You know, I'm sure they've all had their own experiences, which they denied. Um, So it means your children are going to have them more than you are. And it's time to open up a dialogue and it and it's okay for you to say to your kids i don't know what's going on with you i don't know what has happened but let's take the fear and the judgment away from it and let's explore what it means and discover what that child's gift is she said it may not be shamanism they may have other gifts in other ways but it's opening up to it and taking on taking the journey without fear but with guidance to understand where it is. So do you mentor families? I have. I, I don't do it often. I most often work with individuals. And in all honesty, the family dynamic has usually the most lasting results. Yes. It is never an individual. Never. No. It's never about an individual. The more that you can work with the family or what, whatever the overarching community that person identifies with most, that is where the most effective medicine happens. Well, it's, there's no point of just having one channel of information going out if the others aren't receptive to that information. You know, by working with the whole family, you're, you're opening up those channels to everybody's dialogue, everybody's questions, 
taking the fear away from everybody and 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 having them feel less alone or under attack right right because that happens a great deal isn't it you know they're so busy defending their own beliefs and you're asking them to believe something outside of maybe what their bible has said or their church is telling them and they feel that they're you know turning their backs on it no you can still live in your faith in your god's light it's just embracing the other gift that god is giving you Exactly. And from a shamanic perspective, we have unseen connectors. You know, we have ancestors. We have spirit allies that watch over us as individuals and as groups. You know, we mm-hmm. perhaps we have a family or, or community totem. Perhaps, you know, whatever is affecting this family is related to an ancestral line. And so, you know, all all of the therapy and medication and um, it is a large degree soul work that we do on the individuals of this family can only be effective when we bring it back to that ancestral line. I mean, there, there are so many ways that we function as collectives, and that has to be, I guess it doesn't have to be, but it's best when all of that is taken into consideration when we want to alleviate a dynamic. Yes, when you shed the light on something, you know, the, you haven't got things lurking in the dark. And there's those things lurking in the dark that you're afraid of. When you take that away and shed the light on it, that this is, is still your God, because we're, you know, we've all got our God and we name them some, you know, whatever we wish to name him. Um, it's all that universal, godly, divine energy. But it's obviously going to communicate with you on different levels, and you're going to see it from a different understanding. And, you know, the church is only representative of a certain aspect of it. And if your God wants to reach personally through a different way, open and let your God in. Because it's all about divinity, isn't it? It is. And remembering it, bringing it through every thought, every action, every minute that you can remind yourself to do it. And take the fear away from it. It's beautiful. It it really is a beautiful place to be. When you see people using their energy, you know, um, you said you've done Reiki. Of course, Reiki is energy healing. And, you know, people don't understand, how can that work? Well, we are made up of energy in our body. And the reason why we get sometimes these pains and aches and things that are causing problems is because that energy is blocked in that area. And we have to have that flow. Life is about constantly moving. It's it's all about flow and rhythm and continuum. And if we start boxing or blocking things, it piles up and it causes a trap. And so Reiki is a way of releasing that and continuing that energy flow through the body, which also goes through the mind, heart, and soul. I find Reiki a particularly supportive approach because all you have to do is show up. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it so many components of healing require your active participation and and. It's needed. Sooner or later, in all processes, you need to be active in your own healing. And and I find approaches like Reiki to be incredibly benevolent because they're simply there to be called upon. Yes, exactly. They are here to serve. Um, energy flow is literally what makes this universe um, go round. And so it's essential that it flow with as you said, all you have to do is turn up, lay back, and just relax. It is so wonderful. I mean, if you're having a massage, you know, at some point they're going to hit a knot and things like that, and it might be a bit painful, but with Reiki, it's just that wonderful warm glow that goes right through your body all the time. And you just come away kind of feeling, ah. Oh. <laughs> and, and, you know, your body is just, um, just in, in, in a flowing of mind and it develops your senses and it makes you good and you sleep better um so it's it's a wonderful feeling it's a wonderful way of kind of in tuning if you're having a hard time mentally getting around something that let your body release because when your body releases your mind will it's the truth it's the truth if the body is not happy 
it doesn't matter what degree of soul work you can do. It will not stick. The body is the antenna. It is the portal. It is the temple. And if we, uh, you know, ignore it, which most people do, right? Uh, you know, they can invest in their car, their wardrobe, their house, their this, their that. But when it comes to actually into investing into their body, that seems to be something that seems to be an extravagance. Um, it doesn't matter what we drive around. Uh, the vehicle that's going to be with us to the day we die is this <laughs> body. And uh, we need to do a little more investment into the body in maintaining it. And uh, stress is a number one killer. And, and it stops you from receiving anything because it shuts everything down. And things like radio helps open that up so that you actually can open up your, your senses and your portholes to receiving the information you need to those answers that are causing the stress in the first place. So first relax your body so you can relax, relax your mind, spirit, heart, and soul so you can receive, being open to receive that information. So do you do energy healing through online or just through people who come to you? No, I do distance healing as well. I actually find um, in some cases remote sessions are more effective. There's um, a a little more freedom in those sessions, a little less anxiety. And um, I, I really enjoy doing distance work. And, of course, people say, how can you do that, you know, um, right. through Skype or phone or anything else? Because energy doesn't have any restriction. It can exactly. go anywhere. Uh, even your thoughts. Um, if you send a bad thought to someone, um, it's going to affect them. If you send good thoughts to people, um, this is why prayers are said, because they send out good vibrations and loving caringness to people. Um, and that's important because, if we, you know, instead of damning somebody, um, you know, pray that they have, uh, that insight to see what they're doing wrong and have the courage to stop. So sending out those good vibrations instead of the bad ones. Would you let everybody know how they can get your book, your site, uh, you know, if they want a session with you, uh, uh, want to have you as a mentor, how do they get hold of you? Certainly. Thank you for asking. Um, the book now, it's called Teen Spirit Guide to Modern Shamanism. It's available for pre-order on Amazon, the ebook and the print edition. And it will be available on the May, on thir- the 30th of May. So at the end of May, it will be available. Um, and my website is soulintentarts.com. That's my shamanic practice, and you can find out information about sessions and services and all the things that I write. Exactly, and you do a great deal, and you're keeping that energy going, not just on one channel, on out of multiple channels. Absolutely great. All we have to do, as you said, you were with Reiki, turn up and let you do the work. You know, on all we need to do with, with the channeling or with the opening up our senses is be willing, be willing to open it. But as you said, with the with the guidance of a mentor, whether you're a teenager or an adult that has had an awakening, you know, ha- find somebody that will mentor you into understanding um, what you need to feed and what you don't need to feed and the confusion of your thoughts and what you can trust, that it's a different language and it's a very simple one. To, to learn and to speak um, or not speak, so to speak. Um, and that, you know, it's it's a different way of looking at things and to trust what it is. So, yes, a mentor is always good whenever you're awakener, be it adult or child, um, into understanding it. And I really do um, suggest families. Um, you know, this is a stop saying your kid is not fitting in the box it's not like the chip of the old block your child is different they're their own free spirit embrace that spirit guide that spirit so it can be fruitful in its own life it will teach us a great deal as well so i want to thank you so much for being on the air with me here um it's been delightful having you you're doing a wonderful job here and um you know it's needed um as I said, with all these people running across the bridge right now saying, I'm awake, I'm awake, what do I do now? Um, we need people like, like you out there that just helps them calm and collectively tune in so they know what to do with their own particular gift. So keep up the fabulous work, and, uh, and I thank you very, very much for being on the show.
Thank you, Sarah. It's been wonderful to talk with you. So, folks, don't be afraid if your child is expressing themselves in a way that you don't understand. Stop, ask questions, seek help, and you've got somebody here, right here, that can help you, um, mentor you, or even just take the book and start getting some guidance that way into understanding why your child thinks differently than you. Until the next time, folks, have a great one and be kind to yourself. Thank you for tuning in to PLV Radio. We hope that our programming has inspired you. Please feel free to visit the website to find past shows and schedules. Find your favorite hosts, leave comments about your experience, and share ideas for future shows. Don't forget to visit us on your favorite social media websites, which you will find links to at plv-radio.com. Listen with your friends and share the inspiration.